Welcome to the Abbey Talks podcast series with myself, Lisa Farley, coordinator of the talks here at the Abbey, and actor Susan Lynch, who plays the central role of Hester Swain in Marina Cars by the Bog of Cats. And so we begin. Susan talks of Hester, of Hamlet, of being true to yourself, and harnessing the wildest side of the female nature. She talks of creative fulfilment, the genius of Marina, the warmth of the company, and the sizzle of the collective experience of theatre. We talk of identity, of difference, of mothers and daughters in deja vu. We've been here before, but this is new territory. Susan Lynch is a force of nature. Come see for yourself. In the meantime, enjoy this podcast. Welcome, Susan Lynch. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Um, I should say it's welcome back because Mm -hmm. it's been over 20 years since you were last here with us uh, at the Abbey in 1993 with the Honey Spike and the last ones. Um, And now you're back in the main stage as Hester Swain in Marina Cars by the Bog of Cats. Yeah. So we will need to talk about Hester. um, Mm -hmm. But my first question would be, were you familiar with the text before y- you got the part or no. had you seen her in any incarnation? No? No, I I knew absolutely nothing about this play, which is kind of... I can't, I can't actually believe that I hadn't read it or heard about Hester before. Uh, but, um, no, it was sent to me uh, by uh, the Abbey and... I read it and I I just could not believe what an amazing play it was. And um, I literally, I mean, normally if I'm sent a play or something, I I might go make a cup of tea or in the middle. I, I literally just sat on the settee and I couldn't stop reading it. And um, yeah, and that, and that was my introduction to it really. And I had a very uh, instinctive... Um, feeling about the play. I felt really, uh, I felt like it was a very important play. Um, I didn't know why or anything. I can probably tell you a little bit later. But um, but at that moment, sitting in the settee and reading it and uh, looking out to the garden, I thought, wow, this is extraordinary. And I couldn't believe that I hadn't read it. Um, yeah, so that was my introduction. And that first response, did that change over the course of the rehearsal period as you unlocked her and um, because it is almost like a visceral response. Mm. Um, I was reading up on, on the on, on Alwyn's uh, Fure's uh, reaction to it as well, and she had the exact same response. It was something instinctual, and it was yeah. something that reached just inside of her. And she didn't. I don't think she could put her finger on why yeah. it reached her, but it did. Um, I don't want to uh, spoil the plot, you know, for those of us who weren't kind of read Medea at the bed, at bedside. But the thing about Hester is that I can sympathise with her mm-hmm. and and everything that's done to her because everything is taken away from her. Um, and because it is based on Medea and her fate seems to be inevitable. So the question I, I would ask you is that, is she aware that her fate is inevitable? And and the crux for me is like, could she have broken that cycle? Could she have changed it? I, I think... Uh, I think in life you, you always have to... Um, absolutely go with your gut instinct and I think Hester is no different from that and I think one of the things that I felt that was really important was that you felt that she was a survivor that you felt that she was a queen in her own domain who was going I'm going to fight I know that there are dark forces that are against me possibly this ghost fancier is a huge sign in terms of my future but i think as as much as possible in the play it's impossible it's 
in the playing of Hester, it's really uh, important to be a force of positivity and that she is going to um, be able to stay in the bog of cats and that she is going to be able to raise her daughter. I mean, one of the first things she says in the play to the ghost fancier is, I can't die, I have a daughter. And I think that was a massive indication to me of how strong her forces for life were uh, opposing the ones against life. Um, And, you know, there is so much strength and positivity and humour in Hester. She's sort of, she's this extraordinary force of nature. She is the most complex, darkest, emotional, sexual part of um, the female uh, embodiment. And I really feel like that 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 thing that I felt sat on my sofa uh, where I thought this is really, really important uh, is really clear to me now, actually, because Hester is not just an embodiment of um, the extraordinary positive things about women and the wildness of women. And, you know, she happens to be a traveller, but she's also a kind of archetype for... Um, the wildest side of the female nature. And for me, she's more than Medea. I, I, now in the playing of this character, I really feel like Hester is uh, so many different things. But, you know, act three for me is... is Hester is Hamlet, you know. She sees the... She, she's visited by the ghost of her brother. And through her own absolute frailties and through her own um, realisations of her flaws. Catwoman says to her in the early act of the play um, the thing about you is that you know your flaws. You know, basically what Catwoman says is Hester Swain, you have a morality. You have a morality. You know when you do wrong. And that is the downfall of Hester in, in many ways because she absolutely knows that this fate is hanging over her and she knows the power of her rage and she knows the power of how much she's hurt when she is treated like the underdog, when she feels she should be treated like a queen. But also what is extraordinary about her is not only does she realise those failings within herself, she uses that mirror that the ghost Uh, holds up to her, which I think is really what happens. Joseph holds a mirror up to her and says to her, look at what you did to me. Look at what you did to me. And the reason you did it was because you believe that our mother loved uh, me more than you. So where did that seed come from? That came from from Josie Swain, the mother, because some interpretations of this text is that um, Hester is just vengeful that she lost a lover and and lost the land and the house but in actual fact like it's it seems that seed was there before she could even before she was aware of it it was it was this seems to all be flung on her some philosopher once said that the the thing that you fear most has already happened to you and that is that is basically this, that that is what's happened to Hester that abandonment that she feels from Carthage is just the the scraping of a wound of abandonment from her mother from when she was seven. And therefore that scene with, with her brother is massively important because it becomes a catalyst for Act Three in that 
through her brother showing her the mirror of, yeah, you feel like I got more love than our mother. Okay, well, let me show you this this mirror. Your mother actually said that your heart was banjaxed from the moment you were born. So she didn't just abandon you when you were seven. She also told me and our father that you were always messed up. So did Hester stand a chance? If that was her fate from the beginning, could she have changed it? I think, well, hypothetically, I don't know. Uh, Probably not. But I think in life, everyone feels that, that they can change their fate and Hester shouldn't be any different. And I think there's still moments in Act 3 where she thinks she can change it. There's still moments where she says, let me stay in the caravan. Let me stay here in the bog of cats with my child. I won't bother anyone. She tries to retract the fact that she's already set a massive bonfire under the bog, you know, uh, in terms of everybody else's relationship to her. But, But what is amazing for me is that she not only is aware of her own feelings, somewhere in her, there may be a sense, even though she's fighting it, that things aren't going to work out for her. I think there is always that little cloud in in her. And before she goes, she she shows everyone else a mirror. She shows Xavier about his own son. She shows Caroline about the fact that she's actually quite a messed up kid and that she was from a very, very early age. So she kind of, in a way, teaches Caroline um, something about herself that maybe Caroline didn't really know. Maybe she's always felt slightly like there's something not quite right with her, but... And she teaches Carthage who he is. And so so not only... And that's what I mean about that there are elements of Hamlet to Hester mm. because she's she's not just someone who... Uh, is visited by a ghost and then uh, it cripples her into immobility. She uh, shows everyone else who they are. There's no subtext with her, really. She's direct and she... Yeah. Right to the point. And and she does expose everyone else's hypocrisy um, for what what it is. She's she's the most honest, in a way. Yeah. Everyone else is aware of her flaws. She's aware of them as well. And they're all... Dying, I suppose, to just smash her down. But in a way, that just makes her stronger because she she's fearless. Totally, yeah. Mm. Would you see her as a as a hero or a villain? Well, I think she's she's anti heroic as as all classic as Hamlet is, as uh, the Macbeths are, as she's an anti heroic character. But what's so extraordinary about her is that she's a woman. And that um, she is uh, the underdog, but she has the intelligence and the spiritual and emotional involvement um, that is beyond the people that are, are trying to actually get rid of her. And that's why she's such an extraordinary character. And that's why it's a tragedy. I mean, in, in so many ways, it's not just a tragedy of, in terms of what happens in the end. It's not just a tragedy for that reason. She thinks she's breaking a cycle. And actually, in truth, I think she is. I think that's what she does. And even though it's an awful act, 
in terms of her emotional um, uh, messed upness and what will happen to her own offspring, it's her way of saying, this is dead now. This can't go any further. Mm, it stops here. Yeah. When you when you mention uh, your own offspring, you share um, the stage with two uh, fantastic young actors, um, Eve Maher and uh, Elodie Devins. I just wanted to ask you about working with them on Dark Materials, but also just with these future award-winning actors. They are, uh, I mean, they're amazing. They're just, they're, they're kids, you know, so they're, they're literally, they're, they're very in the moment and uh, off stage, they're just doing something else and then they, they literally come on and do their scenes and it's absolutely water off a duck's back. Um, they're both so different and it's so lovely, actually, to have such different interpretations of Josie. Uh, but I, I absolutely love it. I, I love the scenes with the girls. You and can, when I was watching, I, I dipped in and out of the auditorium when you were teching and there was there was such humour about it. And what you were saying there is that they do switch on and switch off, um, which is really refreshing to see. Yeah, I think we all do. I think the whole company does. It's an amazing company of actors. I feel I feel so blessed to be sharing the stage with all of them. When you're side stage and just watching, you know, Marion and to really, you know, to, to be in a company that is just so varied and such different kinds of talent and everybody's just so present. And there really is a sense of that there's a lot of playing and then we go on and do this play. And it kind of has to be like that because, um, you know, the, the first couple of run-throughs of this play, it was really hard for everyone. But actually, in some ways, it's harder for the other people in the cast because if you're actually playing Hester and you're going to those really weird, dark places, you you, you kind of... It's actually harder watching that. Okay. Um, so to have such amazing support, but also, um, you know, to be playing scenes with uh, such an amazing company of actors, it's just... Um, it's just a, every night is is just a joy. I just absolutely love it. And can you switch on and switch off? Um, because I, I'd imagine it's it's mentally taxing as well as physically. The set is 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 hard enough to navigate. I would think it, it's a very physical role. Can you can you switch off that quickly? Yeah, I think you just have to rest a lot in the mo I rest a lot in the mornings because um, it is it is very. Uh, there's no doubt about it. It is. A, it's a marathon. You know. You do feel like, but by, by the time you get to the end, you you've really gone into the ring. Uh, um, yeah. But you just have to be. You just have to be really sensible. You just have to really rest. Even if I don't sleep in the mornings, I kind of really try and lie in bed. Um, and yeah. But you know, it's 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 one of those things. It's like. The more you do it, you find an easier uh, way of, of of the playing of it, and and also every time you do it, it's different. That's the extraordinary thing about Marina's play. It's like not only is it giving you the the the, ins, uh, the extraordinary scope of this antihero, it's also um, giving you so much energy each night because uh, there are so many different things that can happen within. Uh, the muscularity of that text, um, and you know that well. That's just the sign of a a genius writer, which is what she is. 
And um, when I mentioned the, the two younger actors, and it, and it's their debut and their beginning uh, on the stage, your beginning, um, you were reared, born and reared in Newry. Yes. Um, I'm, I read it was on a mountainside. Am I to take that yes, literally? Yes. No, it was a very it was. rural. Yeah. What was the upbringing like? Yeah, remote. I mean, we lived six or seven miles from like schools and. Uh, yeah, sometimes we got snowed in and um, we had water from the mountain. I mean, we didn't get electricity until I was like maybe eight or nine. Uh, so it was pretty remote. Um, but, you know, kind of amazing. Uh, I grew up with an Italian mother and Irish father. So that always made things a bit um, different. And how did they meet? And, and was it a culture shock for your mother then to live on this mountainside. Yeah, yeah. massively. I mean, she, Mama live. Mama's village is very much mountainy, but um, uh, no, no, no. Um, they met in Coventry, of <laughs> all places, and um, and then uh, my brothers and sisters all grew up in Coventry, and then my mum and dad moved back to. Newry in the seventies, at the height of the troubles, <laughs> seventy one. But um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was great, you know. I, I uh, the amazing thing about growing up somewhere remote. I don't know if everybody feels this, but I certainly feel it. It's it, you you get an extraordinary relationship to yourself because Is that you're you're caught up in your own imagination. Your I own think head? so. Yeah, yeah, and I um, I very much had that, and uh, and then I you know I I when I started school at the age of about six um, every year. Our, our primary school and the secondary school I went on to did plays in Gaelic and that's how I started acting. I did plays in Gaelic from the age of about six. So you, you had Irish and Italian as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, my mother actually didn't... Mama didn't speak to us in Italian because she was so... Um, no, I just want to learn English. But we picked up little bits here and there. And then in my 20s, I kind of really wanted to explore the Italian side of myself. So I spent a lot more time in Italy. Um, so and did that I, I fit things bit. into place for you? Because I, um, I think I read somewhere that when you did visit your mother's family's village, it kind of things just clicked in. Because I would think, um, growing up in that household, you were aware of differences, or were the differences yeah. acknowledged that oh, you know? Well, it was more outside yeah. things, not in the high. You know, you know, like um, you know, at home it was. It's, it's mum and you daddy. Know that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's when you went to school and then people said, "What did you have for tea?" And you go, "Oh, my mum made pizza." Or, uh, uh, "Well, my mum's Italian," you know. And well, your mum's Italian, you know. It was it was quite a big thing then. Of course, now we live in such a kind of multicultural society. But then it was, you know, uh, I used to get called spaghetti head, and you know, there was just all that kind of, uh, you know, uh, it was different. I felt it was only when I went to school I thought. Oh, it is actually quite different having an Italian mother, you know. And then, of course, as I got older, I realised that she was this kind of really incredible, glamorous, beautiful, exotic woman, you know. And um, and did that exoticism, I suppose, um, inform your decision to act? Like, um, I imagine it was a very animated household. So yes, it was then, actually. My father's a real those? storyteller as oh, well, yeah. and like his my father's favourite play is Hamlet and Julius Caesar. And um, yeah, I mean, my my parents were incredible in terms of, uh, and it's interesting actually because this play is so much about identity, yep. whatever that happens to be. And Hester's got such a strong identity, um, and yeah, I mean, I I was given very much both from my father and my mother's genes, really, 
such an extraordinary sense of their identities. You know, my my mother was very into. She loved Gina Lola Brigida. She was Sophia Loren. She loved all the old movies. She was really. Um, she was very sensual, still is very sensual uh, woman. But I, as I remember as a child, she was, uh, she was yeah, she had a sensual relationship to, to what she watched. And um, yeah, no, it was really, really nice, actually. And then my father gave me this whole other thing that was about storytelling and the power of storytelling. And we had an uncle who used to come to our house like midweek, every evening and we had gas mantles then and and he used to literally sit and tell us a story. I mean, he literally used to sit in an armchair. He would just go, hello, Rose. You know, Mama was called Rosina. Rose, hello, Finn. Uh, Anyway, uh, I'll have a cup of tea. And then he'd sit in the armchair and he'd tell us the story and it became like a ritual. He would just come, sit in the armchair and just tell this story and we'd all be sat round. And that must have fed... I fed your years and and then you went on. Did that spark? So that must have sparked. Yeah, and I think it sparked us all. You know, I have a sister who's a drama teacher. My eldest brother's an actor and a writer. Um, my other brother works in uh, on films doing. Um, he's a spark. My niece works on films doing art department. My nephew is an editor on films. You know, so that it it's. You know, somehow that's just not that 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 is so much to do with, I think, how we grew up and our relationship to where we lived and our relationship to the stories that we were surrounded by. And 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 also the encouragement. I remember my mama being very encouraging of me uh, with acting. I mean, my dad was to an extent, but he was kind of like, always do your home, you know, keep studying. And um, but, you know, mama was very. Uh, I do remember being really young and, and, and noticing her encouraging me. And um, and I think it's because part of her was kind of like... Is that something that she would have liked to have done? I, th- I think there was a part of her... She she was always the life and soul, you know. Mama was very much, um, very much the life and soul of the party, always was. Um, I heard uh, Dominic Drumgoul is it, mentioned that she, <laughs> she isn't just there, she just happens to you. Is that That's it? She's so like lovely of... that you've quoted that. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. That's so true. Um, my mum's not very well now. She has Alzheimer's. And um, so, 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 you know, she is, a di- she is a different person. There is still the spirit of mama in there. But... Um, it's so beautiful, and so so sometimes if I'm talking about my mother in the past tense, it's it's about mm. because in a sense now she she is still who she is, but she is a different version of herself um, with this illness. So um, that's why sometimes I'm speaking about her in the past tense. But that is so true, and it is very true of her. Um, uh, she did happen to you. She really, really did. She was an event in in the way that. Hester Swain happens to you. Yeah, you know? it sounds like a force yeah. of nature. They do sound <laughs> yes. as if they change the climate yeah. of a room when they enter yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what's so amazing about what Maureen has written and and so true of the energy of that extraordinary female energy, you know, that's a mixture of intelligence, emotion, sexuality. And, um, and yeah. you've, you've, you've managed to harness it, though as well. I mean, I, I watch you on the dress on an opening night and it's 
it's a magnificent performance and Thank I would imagine you. it's not easy it's not um, the language in itself it, the, the rhythms um, mm. she says she doesn't write beautiful sentences but I think oh my you know, god there's incredible. a punch to each yes and every one of them but they're they don't trip off the tongue either no they're, it's poetry yeah 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 I mean it's just it's 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 beautiful it's just it's amazing to play and and you know there's there it's it's not always as an actor that you play a part and you think actually visiting this person has changed me but I feel that about Esther that was going to be one of my final questions because as a punter I'm sitting there and I you know you try to identify with what's on stage or you see yourself or you relate to it and um, and as a parent, I would imagine, and I would say this if 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 an, uh, Barry John O'Connor was sitting in front of me as well. Um, so it's not just a female question, but as yeah. a parent, I'm sure that has your perspective has changed um, because of this role. Yeah, yeah, you. It does. Uh, well, it, it it visits so many things, but it does make you realise how much your internal world. Um, affects your external world, you know, and uh, your makeup as a human being in terms of the line of where you've come from and where you're going and how you influence your, your little ones. Would, would, if you, would the approach have differed if you weren't a parent? Like the, not making a That's big a thing question. of the parenthood thing, but um, because I'm not a parent, I watch it and it, and it reaches me, mm. you know? I find it virtually impossible. I, it's a really interesting thing, that thing of feeling something and, and what you feel and um, feeling something every night. And uh, I, 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 I just feel like if you're going to share things with people and if you're going to share something as amazing as this piece of text... You have to feel it. You, ha I mean, it's virtually. Maria Callas is one of my all-time heroes, and um, one of the things I loved about Maria Callas was she just wouldn't go on stage unless she was going to be good. <laughs> Not that I've ever done that, but but what I love about that absolute, um, well, it's a very it's a very specific thing, isn't it? Because she's saying I know what my mm. levels are. And if I ain't going to give this to this audience, what's the point, you know? And I sort of feel that about theatre. I, 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 um, I feel like I don't do a lot of theatre anymore. It's a mixture of things. I've got a kid now. I live in the country, so, you know, I'm, I'm not accessible as accessible to the city, which makes doing theatre slightly more complicated. Um, so doing this was, a, was a, a, quite a big you know because we were all coming from England and everything um but it was it was a decision that eventually i i just you know the the, the play made it for me really um and my friend who said you have to go and do that <laughs> my friend michelle um uh but you know it's like theater is a, a collective experience it's between the audience and the cast and the relationship between the cast and the relationship between the what's happening in that story on that stage and the audience and the more collective it is the more 
you know, it sizzles, you know. And I mean, it sounds a little bit rock and roll to say it, but I sort of feel it should be like that. Like that. I feel like theatre should be a bit rock and roll. It should literally be that people come out going, I actually feel like... And it, it doesn't mean it always has to be visceral or, you know, I mean, this is a very specific text, but I just think, you know, if theatre isn't going to, you know, blow us all away um, collectively in that building, then why bother? The, the need to act, um, was, that always, was that always there in drama school? Was there a need to do it? I think my need for it is less... Um, and I don't know whether that's to do with getting older, actually knowing who you are a little bit more. So was it was it was that ambition uh, and uh, that strength of need, I suppose, stronger when you were in college? And yeah, because I I think there was a part of me when I went to college and I was you know seventeen or eighteen that that I knew I had some kind of connection to theatre and to performing. Um, and then, you know, as as time went on, I started to work out that actually I was finding out about all these different human beings. And then it actually got to a point in my kind of mid-twenties where I went, oh, I keep doing this. I actually need to do a little bit of work on me. <laughs> Who am I? You know, because suddenly the acting was... Um, and you I think find as out you, about yourself though through each role. You do, yeah. you do. I mean, in some ways, drama is the best therapy in the world, um, and you definitely, definitely do. But you can also run away from yourself through it. So it's knowing what what you're doing. And I think as I get older, um, even though my passion for acting is still uh, as great, uh, the uh, the need for it is is not as. Um, potent it's uh and then when I do it I kind of feel like I really go for it and I really enjoy it um and you know I love doing all elements of like I love doing film and I love um I love doing certain kinds of tv as well and so you know it, it it's interesting because every every job is different and you meet loads of different people all the time so and you would you would choose projects based on um, I suppose where you are in your own life, whether you know you're available or not, where who you'd work with, um, who the writer, you know, there's various reasons why you would pick up. Yeah, the well, it's funny being an actor because sometimes, you know, sometimes it's, it's really nice you do get offered things, you know, sometimes, um, but then a lot of the time, you know, you audition for things, and uh, I mean, the the amazing thing about actors is that we are so. Um, bounceable, backable, you know, because like like you will be up for things a lot of the time that you go, oh my goodness, I would really... Well, that doesn't happen to me that often. There's been maybe three or four things in my career that I've kind of gone, oh, I really want to get it, and then you don't get it, and you're so gutted. Um, and how do you deal with that? Because I was going to ask you that about the downtime, because a lot of what actors have to deal with is, you know, hectic schedules, but then when it's not so hectic, how do you deal with that? And, and also, how do you maintain that... Um, resilience. Well, I think it's it's a mixture with me. It's a mixture of two things because I I genuinely um, I'm not really. I would rather be broke than do poo poo shit. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I would. I seriously, seriously would. I I feel like um, if you don't feel some connection to it, then how can you? Uh, 
ask other people to feel a connection to you, feeling connected to it. So I, I'm quite um, uh, fussy in that respect. Um, but then, you know, in in another way, then there are times where you um, do kind of go, God, wouldn't it be great if something really interesting came up? Da, 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 da. And sometimes that might not happen for months. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like you can't wait around to be creative in front of other people. Being creative is something that you just do, you know. So you don't always need an audience for it. It's it's something that it fulfills you. Yeah, I mean, I, I really genuinely do feel that because otherwise I think I would probably, I would probably work a lot more, but I don't know if I would necessarily be as creative. Does that make sense? Like, if I said yes and just kept doing lots and lots of theatre, um, but I wasn't actually really... Connect, yeah, you yeah, know, kind of. Well, I'll just be do this off, because I've been offered it. Yeah, uh, I. It might not always make for, um, me really genuinely being creative. So it, it's 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 about that word creative, really, because sometimes you've got to recognise within yourself when you can do that, and sometimes when you can't. And um. Would you like more control of that? Have you ever thought of writing your own stuff or, or getting behind the camera or, you know, or directing that you yeah, have more I would control like over to that direct, creativity? Actually, I, I have a community drama group in Stroud um, and they're the most amazing bunch of people. And um, and I've directed different things and we, we do lots of different little mini projects. I mean, um yeah, we're, it's it's constantly kind of a work in progress. We sometimes take things from scratch. We're doing something about cider with Rosie, but it's also to do with modern day Gloucestershire, and we improvise and we use lots of different kinds of music, and um, and that's been amazing because for me, I came from community drama, so you feel like it's you're going back to a creative place that you actually remember, and you remember being part of that. Um, and and it enriches you. I would yeah, imagine. yeah, yeah. And so things like that for me are as important, really, as you know. Um, but it, it is it's really interesting as well because you know it also depends where you are within yourself in your life, you know, because you are using yourself. And sometimes it's like years and years and years ago, I was asked to do Lady M. Should we turn mm, yeah, around three I'm times? That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do we do? Go like that Touch or what is, I think, is okay. <laughs> oh, sorry, we're being very superstitious. Very Hester Swain superstitious. Well, we're not in the, the stage space, so I think we'll oh, get yeah, away with Oh, yeah, that's true. That's, I reckon. So sandbags won't fall on my head tonight. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, and, you know, and it was so flattering to be asked to do it. But I just wasn't in the right place in my life to want to, to visit that person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and... A lot of that is, you know, there's there's timings and and in terms of how you feel and creatively it's as if and you're well. It sounds as if you're not a slave to the machine. Like it's as if you're you're controlling it because you're not you're not chasing something. You know, it's it's you yeah, that's dictating yeah. your own decisions. You're well. I suppose it's the only it's the only um, way of having power within as an actor mm. is to say, well, actually. I'm not going to do that right now because it, it isn't really right for me to do that rather than forcing yourself into a place of doing it. I suppose I've got to be genuinely, without it sounding pretentious, you know, like I have choices because I, you know, I'm an actor. I don't really. Um, but I, but my my thing is I do, I do go, 
actually I'm happy to be not doing for a while or uh, because I'm not very good at being in situations where I go, oh God, I don't want to be here. I'm not very good at riding. I'm not one of the, you know what I mean? I'm an all or nothing girl. I'm like, I'm literally, you know, I either want to be absolutely, totally passionate about doing something or not. So sometimes I have to, I have to, I suppose what I'm saying is I understand who I am now. So, Was there a time that you didn't and yes. you found yourself in a situation yes. that you're like, I need to get out yeah. of here? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I do, I, 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 I'm really sensitive to the, the whole way it all works. And so when you know that about yourself and you can't just go in and do the thing and then leave, when you know that you're, you know, and I kind of wish I wasn't like that sometimes so that then I could just be, but I'm, you know, I... I know I have a particular sensibility in relationship to what I do. So I just listen to it now rather than, you know, kind of going, yes, he says. And I mean, I suppose the thing that my mum and dad gave me was a pride in being different, you know, and maybe that's something that stayed with me, that, that you don't have to, you don't have to do, uh, you don't have to follow the road of everyone else, that you, everyone can be in their own thing and that's something that I was really definitely given and that's just in terms of their personalities and um, I think that's kind of held me qu quite well in terms of doing this job and, and I don't know I, I'm not the sort of person that ever goes oh I want to play this or I want to play that I, I don't really think like that I don't you know it's like Maybe 10 years ago, if I'd read this play, I would have gone, I, I really want to play Hester Swain, but I didn't read it. And, and, and in a way, it's a beautiful gift then when you're sat on your settee going, oh, wow, I've got that feeling that all one had in my gut, you know. And then suddenly you're here doing it. And, uh, and that, that all feels right, you know. But it was extraordinary. The first read through of this play, Selena said, I feel like we've all been here before. Mm -hmm. Like there was a real sense of deja vu. And I really knew what she meant. There was something about even the company, even our relationship to each other. I don't know what that was. And maybe it's the spirit of Alwyn and the last production. And and I really believe in that. I don't, I, I'm not one of these people that kind of goes, oh, well, our production and your production. I just sort of feel like the theatre is about, it's all about recycling and wh wh where someone's left off and where someone else ends and somewhere else, someone else begins and... Um, that we're all in it together, that it's a collective experience. And, you know, I mean, Hester Swain is no one without the community on that bog, <laughs> you know? And it's like, it's the same with um, uh, what happens on the stage. That That is, that is nothing without the audience, mm -hmm. because otherwise it's who it's for. So it's that, I mean, I've worked with Complicite a couple of times and they've really taught me that actually, that, that theatre is totally about that night, what happens in that moment, what's happening between you. And sometimes that can be with all the messiness, with the things that go wrong, with the, that actually there is gems that can, that can uh, evolve from, you know, that, that one night, you know, and it's it's so it's so difficult, isn't it? It's so difficult for us to think in the present. You know, sometimes you you get into a run and you kind of go, oh well, we've opened now, and you know we've got another. Da -da. But actually, the preciousness is that night, 
every night. That moment when you hear the little Irish announcement on the thingy <laughs> and, you know, and there's a whole routine, like one of the guys backstage walks past me and I've got the swan on my back, you know, and I see Quiva and Rob, who are doing the kids at the beginning, walking off the stage. And that whole ritual of people passing you, and you think anything can happen, anything can happen, and it's between all of us in this room tonight. And I love that. I love that feeling. Well, you've got a couple more weeks of that feeling. Um, I wish you continued success with this. Oh, thank much. you, Lisa. Thank you so much. 